Imagine waking up in the dead of night to the sound of wooden wagon wheels creaking and knowing that the wagon is here for your life. These are tales of deadly wooden wagons across Latin America. Hi everyone, this is Christina and Carmen. And yes, you heard that right. That is my twin, Carmen, not MJ. MJ is sick. And Carmen so kindly agreed to step in for MJ. Just a gentle soul. You are. (laughs) (laughs) That's debatable. Anyway, (laughs) today I'm going to be telling you, Carmen, and all of our listeners about deadly... And I'm not sure if it's carts or wagons still. (laughs) Did you text me asking me about this? I did ask oh, you, and then you okay. told me either one was fine. A cart? I think it's a wagon, because a cart, I think, is, like, smaller. It's a wagon. So you're talking about wagons that people travel, like, in, right? Yes, so um, there's a whole bunch, yeah. Like, uh, La Carreta Nagua is from Nicaragua, and then Mexico has La Carreta de la Muerte, El Salvador has La Carreta Chillona, so I'm just going to be telling you about, like, oh, all okay. of them. All the ones I could find. <laughs> yeah, I would say wagon. Wagon? Okay, so yeah, deadly wagons. But first, I do have a listener story. If you have any listener stories for us that you want us to read on the podcast, then just uh, send us an email at com or send us a DM on Instagram. Either one. I prefer email, though. This person said, Hi, I have a scary story my mom told me. She had told me that when she was around nine years old, Her and her older sister lived in El Salvador. One day, they went to wash clothes at a river and it was about 10 minutes away from their house. They began washing the clothes and she had fallen asleep while her her sister was washing the rest of the clothes. She then had woken up and... (laughs) I'm sorry, no one woke up this poor girl. (laughs) Sorry, I was reading ahead. So So her her family left... Yes, Um, she had then woken up and it was nighttime and her sister was nowhere to be found. My mom said that she had gotten up and peeked around and saw some women staring at her from far away. And when my mom kept looking at her, the lady would hide. Oh my God. My mom also said that she saw the lady walking closer to her. My mom got up and ran to her house and had told everyone and no one believed her. She fell asleep where they were washing the clothes in the river and nobody woke her up. And her sister just left her there. Oh, I thought at first that they left to wash clothes and she stayed sleeping at the house and then nobody woke her up. So they just left her in the river. Her and her sister. Outdoors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, shit. And then she saw... La Ciguanaba. That's what I'm thinking. There's no other ghost lady in El Salvador. There's like La Llorona's there too, okay? Oh, I forget that she's in El Salvador. I feel like nobody talks about her there. Yeah. Everyone focuses on Mexico, but she's everywhere. She travels around. She's collecting stamps in her passport. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's creepy. And I'm sorry she got left behind. Just like, <laughs> no one. Oh, I, I'm just... I'm shocked that no one, like, told her, like, hey, let's go. I'm done washing clothes. I can't believe they didn't wake her up and just left her there. Yeah. (laughs) So now on to today's topic. 
So across Latin America, there are stories of a wagon. This wagon is usually not pulled by anyone, though in some countries, the cart is pulled by death itself or a spirit or horses or oxen. So it just depends where you hear the legend. Sometimes it's moving by itself. Sometimes it's someone, it's just the animals like a horses or oxen, or it's someone in the cart and the animals. It changes. And I'm going to be sharing versions from Mexico, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. Um, the cart, or sorry, the wagon, has similarities everywhere that the tale is told. I'm going to be saying their names before I talk about them anyway, but I think I already said this anyway. But yeah, in Mexico, it's La Carreta de la Muerte. In El Salvador, it's La Carreta Bruja or La, or la Carreta Chillona. Um, and Nicaragua, it's La Carreta Nagua. Which I, that I can't translate to English, but the others are the wagon of death, the witch wagon, and the crying or wailing wagon. But I don't know what Carreta Nagua would translate to at all. Is Nagua like short for Nicaragua? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Is it the Nicaraguan? I don't know wagon? where it comes from. I don't know. It just it sounds like it, so. Maybe, yeah. So. The Wagon of Death. So in some parts of Mexico, La Carreta de la Muerte, it's all black, it, uh, including the wheels. Like, the, everything's just black. And the horses that pull it are also black. And it can be heard, like, squeaking by, usually after midnight. And when you hear it, it means that death is approaching. Because death is driving the cart. Do you drive those wagons? Do you lead them? Do you? What do you do? I think you ride the wagon. But you, I mean, you would ride the wagon if you were in the back. Steer the wagon. Oh, you steer it. No, I think you're right. It has to be because nothing else makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, nothing else makes sense. In Spanish, it kept saying conduce. Mm -hmm. You conduct the wagon. Do you conduct the wagon or do you steer the wagon? Commandeer the wagon. You can't. That sounds like something else. I'm just kidding. I don't. Okay, you're just you're just saying words now. No? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Okay, okay. This wagon makes me think of um, two things. It makes me think of Harry Potter. <laughs> How so? I remember the horses that oh. only the the wagons that they ride, but only um, yeah, Harry and whatever her name, Luna. I think Luna. Luna whatever. Lovegood, Carmen. Oh, okay. That only they see the horses because they've like experienced death and grief, whatever. And then it also makes me think of Supernatural when <laughs> the episodes where I don't know if it's like the rapture or what, but something like with the Bible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not clearly good at this because I don't know the Bible. But I've never like, seen it. Okay, like death comes and then what's the other one? Like the apocalypse? I think it's like the cop. Apocalypse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so then when death comes, he comes. Well, I think the stories say he comes like on a wagon, but in the show, he comes in a car. <laughs> and then he steps out, and it's like this like, cool ass music is playing. And then he touches someone that bumps him, and they oh. don't apologize. And he's like, bitch. And then he like touches them, and they fucking die. <laughs> okay. That yeah. sounds kind of yeah. fun. I want to be that person. No. <laughs> what what's wrong with you no like not killing people but like just like driving the cool car yeah 
America. Maybe. Hmm. I did look into the history of some of them. Not all oh, of them. Oh, okay. Because I've heard like that death in some, I don't know, some stories or whatever comes like in a wagon or whatever. Interesting. Go, go on. <laughs> so the following is a tale about La Carreta de la Muerte from Oaxaca. So before electricity near a church called La Soledad, on a street called Morelos, people began hearing a strange sound, the sound of a cart squeaking by. The nuns of the church heard it more often as they were awake late into the night praying. On one such night, a woman named Doña Nila looked out of her window and in fear watched as a wagon rolled by. The wagon was all black, pulled by two black horses, and was led by death itself. Doña Nila fainted, then and there. At midnight, many could hear galloping. One curious woman wondered what this was and opened her door as she heard the wagon. As she stared at the wagon, the horses, then death itself, she felt immense dread and fainted. Her family helped her to bed, and the next day she told them what she had seen. No one believed her. Then, three days later, the woman died. After that, the family and the rest of the villagers believed her. The townspeople feared to leave their houses after midnight. People continued to hear the carreta pass by, and some brave but dumb souls dared to peek out. And three days later, they too they were died. found dead. <laughs> yeah. This caused more fear, though many deny that the wagon exists. People to this day claim to hear the wagon pass by. And I'm just like, that poor lady fainted and no one helped her. The first one, Doña Lila, from the story. Did she die too? That She's the one that died first three days later, right? That's the second one. So she didn't even die? No. Oh, she just fainted. She didn't open the door. She just saw it from the window. Mm-hmm. But this three days later thing seems to be a thing here. I wonder if there's some religious meaning behind it. Maybe. Like the number three is just like, you know, something knocks three times or 3 a.m. Yeah. But I don't know why that's a thing. There's a reason for it. Their time is the charm. Except that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Maybe that's not related. Yeah, that's not the same. Never mind. Or what about like that saying? Isn't there a saying that says death comes in three or something like that? Or did I just, I didn't make that oh, up. Oh shit. Thing, right? I think, I mean, it sounds like a thing. I feel like it is. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it oh, is a thing. Oh, okay. That's an old timey superstition. Didn't Jesus Christ rise in three days too? Oh, that must be it. That must be the whole thing about That's threes. Where it comes and then from. everything bad that comes in threes is like mocking, I don't know, Jesus Christ or something. Yeah. But what does the death comes in threes? Does it say where it comes from? Like, Let's see. The number three is often used as a number to make sense of a given situation. The origin of death comes in threes is from what is called confirmation bias. A person will make a situation conform to their personal beliefs, attitudes, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we know about confirmation bias. Yeah. Across, oh my god, the Holy Trinity. That's what. Oh, that makes sense. I forgot that was Look, we a, guessed, another thing. Yeah. We guessed right because we're like some religious shit. Yeah, I guess across different cultures, threes, like just like uh, according to the Chinese, three is very lucky. Uh, then there's the Holy Trinity. 
third time's the charm. I don't know. I guess three's just the thing. Anyway, back to this. I do have another story. This one is from Pascuaro, Michoacan. And it's a little different. They're, and like I said, these are all a little similar, but also a little different, which is why they're so fun. So this one goes. In 1833, during the cholera outbreak, there was panic and chaos. No one wanted to leave their house. No one wanted to get sick and die. The nights were dark and the bodies of the deceased were piling up. A man named Jose Rincón was asked to transport those that had died from the disease to the local cemetery. Yikes. He would be given 10 pesos a day. That's not enough money for that. Right? That's what I'm saying. Although, how much was that in 1833? Well, 10 pesos to get infected with cholera? No, you're right. No. <laughs> he agreed and he was to also take those that were still alive to get treatment. And then he was to take the deceased to the cemetery near the church, so they could be given a Catholic burial. Oh so they could be burial. given a Catholic burial. I can't say that word. I just would think how many times you have to say it. You've said it so many times throughout the podcast already that you should have figured it out by now. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Jose Rincón did just this, but one night he began acting strange. People could see him passing by, yelling at his mules to go faster. As the wagon rolled through the streets, the cries of the living could be heard. Jose was going straight to the burial site. He skipped dropping off the living patients at the treatment center. And then he proceeded to bury everyone, including those that were still alive. Um, Jose, Why? What was the reason, right? Did he make did he make more money? <laughs> Burying people? No. Is this because of capitalism? <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> I just don't understand why he couldn't drop people off. Maybe he was being timed like the Amazon drivers. So he's like, I don't have time to drop right? off those people that are still alive. <laughs> so yeah, it was because of capitalism in the end. Yeah. No, um, so he continued to do this, but Jose was punished for what he did. Oh, as he should. And he too caught cholera, and he died three days later. There it is again, three days. Is that just the time period, though, the time frame of cholera? I don't know. After Jose's death, people continued to hear his dreadful wagon and the cries of those on it. Those that caught a glimpse of the wagon were found dead three days later just as Jose Rincón had died three days after contracting cholera. It should just be called the Carreta de Cholera. <laughs> yes, actually, here in Mexico, the legend is tied to cholera outbreaks from the 1800s because that's exactly what happened, what Jose Rincón was doing. I'm not sure how many people did exactly what Jose Rincón was doing, like skipping, <laughs> burying the living with the dead i don't i don't think that was too common as the legend goes but that is what people were doing they would pass by with wagons and collect all the all the bodies that were piling up and so this wagon became a symbol of death and then it became the legend uh and then i don't know if you remember the mummies of guanajuato episode but those all those mummies were buried during a cholera outbreak, that same cholera outbreak. So lots of legends from this cholera outbreak. That makes sense for like legends to arise after a deadly pandemic. Exactly. I wonder if there's going to be any after COVID. Maybe. 
Anyway, the mummies from the Guanajuato Museum were said to be buried alive, like Jose Rincon had buried all these people with the dead, which is not true, like I said in that episode. But yeah, that's where the legend comes from in these in Mexico. And I do have one more. This is from Esquinapa, Sinaloa. Another place full of legends. The Dance with the Devil legend also happens in Esquinapa, Sinaloa. Okay, so this one goes. Juanito often went over to his tia's house to play Loteria. And for anyone listening that doesn't know what Loteria is... Just stop listening because what kind of Latinx are you? We ha- I have uh, some non-Latinx listeners, Carmen. Oh, okay. Go but on. yeah, it's like a, like a cooler version of bingo. <laughs> so... Uh, let me go back to the story. Sometimes they laughed and played late into the night, and this night was no different. It was just past midnight as Juan walked home. And as he walked, he remembered that his abuelo, his grandpa, used to say, Jugar ese juego por la noche es cosa del diablo. Wait, which what? <laughs> Playing that game at night is the stuff of the devil. Uh, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently it's demonic. So, so I guess everything <laughs> has been demonic to fucking old religious people since all time then. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. <laughs> Actually, yeah. What am I saying that? Like, it's a sh- <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Juanito laughed at the notion of his abuelo's words and arrived home. He tried to sleep, but he kept hearing his abuelo's words in his head. Es cosa del diablo. After some time, Juan heard the dogs and the chickens going wild outside, and right after that, he heard horses trotting and wooden wagon wheels rolling. Fear took over him, but even then, he took a peek through the window. He saw a black wagon being pulled by black horses with a man dressed in all black steering the wagon, and it was leaving. Juan noticed it was 3 a.m., and he desperately wanted it to be morning time because he was afraid, but he also wanted to tell his abuelo what he had just seen. As soon as the skies were bright, Juan ran outside of his house and found one of his neighbors crying. Juanito approached his neighbor to figure out what was going on, and she told him that her husband had died of a heart attack at 3 a.m. Juanito ran to his grandfather, who happened to be waiting for him, and Juanito relayed what had taken place. His abuelo told him it was la carreta de la muerte. Vino a llevarse al vecino. It was the... Why did I write that in like half English, half Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was the wagon of death. It came for the neighbor. Yeah, again, full of 3 a.m. Yeah. So in El Salvador, the uh, wagon of death is known as La Carreta Chillona, the Wailing Wagon, or La Carreta Bruja, the Witch Wagon. Many have told tales of the shilling sound the wagon makes as it passes by. Chains and bones dragging along the road can be heard when the wagon rolls by. The earth shakes as the wagon rolls through roads. Those that dare to look at it are found dead the next day. It is said to be full of bones and corpses, with skulls decorating the top of the wagon. It is pulled by no one, moving through the streets of El Salvador on its own. It is also said that La Carreta Chillona passes cemeteries, and the spirits of those resting there join the wagon while calling the names of people known to be liars and hypocrites. Oh, wow. Right? (laughs) What is it? (laughs) This is the most savage wagon of all. It is, yeah. Yeah, and if you hear your name, it's a sign to change your ways or you will be next. 
Though I did come across an older story because uh, there used to be like this old radio show from Honduras and El Salvador that did like uh, reenactments, kind of like an audio drama, you could say, but a radio show. And uh, they did one episode on La Carreta Chillona. And in the carret- in that episode, there's three men talking and the Salvadoran guy is talking with two Honduran men. And the Salvadoran uh, man, he's like, Oh, well, wait till you hear about La Carreta Chillona if, if she passes, if it passes by and the spirits are calling your names. No, my bad. I'm phrasing that wrong. The, at some point, the spirits that join the wagon um, call the names, but it, they specifically target, and, and this is what the video said, chismosas, uh, viejas que hablan mucho, like... <laughs> Where are the uh, ghosts from El Salvador that target... The cheating men. Those are my favorite ones. Why don't they target them instead of chismeando people who engage in whatever and chismeando? Like, what's wrong with women that gossip? Yeah. Sometimes you need to you need to chismead to know who to stay away from, what's going on in the neighborhood. And between chismeando and being a cheater, alcoholic, like mm, <laughs> I think one's worse than the other. So <laughs> Right? Yeah. I don't like this version. <laughs> I I would agree, yeah. But apparently that that's what this um this version said that it targets gossipy women. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and there is uh, some versions of the Salvadoran legend that the wagon is steered by either uh death or uh the a spirit of a man. So the following is one legend of how the wagon came to be. According to legend, a young Spanish boy named Terencio Perez arrived in El Salvador and was taken in by a priest named Fray Antolín Oviedo, who taught him about the country he had just arrived to. Fray Antolín Oviedo taught Terencio to read, write, and the ways of the Bible. The priest wanted Terencio to follow in his footsteps and become a priest, but Terencio did not want to. Fray Antolin did try his best to instill the need to help people and to be a good person into the boy. Once the priest died, Terencio traveled to an acquaintance of the priest, who happened to be a doctor. Terencio learned under him, but not enough to become a doctor, and then he left. He arrived in San Salvador and claimed to be a doctor. Oh no. No one knew him, so they believed him. Grifter. Yeah. He began to treat people, and many died at his hands, for he was no doctor. When someone died in his hands, he would say, "Mm, it was God's will. And if someone survived his treatment, he overcharged them for his care. The cult leader in the making. Yeah, this sounds like, uh, what's that guy from Brazil? Um, John of God or whatever? Yeah. One night, when Terencio was leaving the bar, he heard footsteps behind him. He walked faster. But then he realized he was being followed, and as he tried to run, he heard the voice of the priest that raised him, calling his name. The priest told Terencio that his time in this world was over, for he was not helping anyone, and instead exploiting and killing. Therefore, he no longer deserved to be alive. The priest ordered Terencio to build a wagon made of the bones of those he killed, Oh wow! and told him he was already dead. Damn. He was to spend all of eternity wandering and collecting the bones of his victims. 
And so in this version, Terencio is the oh, one who steers okay. the wagon. So you know how John of God supposedly, the way he knows medicine is because he, um, what is the word when you like talk to ghosts or whatever? Channels. Channels the spirits. Because he channels um, ghosts of doctors. Um, he's probably channeling this guy who's not even a real doctor. So even the ghosts he's channeling are scammers just like him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There is another version of this legend where Terencio becomes friends with an indigenous curandero after arriving to San Salvador. And Terencio takes the knowledge he learns from this curandero and begins using it on Spanish people. And then he gets super rich. And one day there's indigenous people getting sick, a lot of them, like it's like a plague or something. And Terencio refuses to treat any of them. He didn't want to be associated with indigenous people because of his Spanish friends. And then the rest of the version is the same. The priest comes back and he's like, you're refusing to help people. Wow. You're a goner. I'm going to kill you. My bitch. Your days are over. And in El Salvador, just like Mexico, the legend seems to be tied with the cholera outbreak from the 1800s. People were dying in their homes and on the street, and a wagon pulled by oxen would come at night, collecting body after body. So same, same origin yeah. of the legend. Uh, the, the following is from Nicaragua. So between 12 and 1 a.m., those in Nicaragua live in fear of hearing the chains and wooden wheels of the Carreta Nagua. It is said to be pulled by two oxen, one white and one black, both very skinny. So skinny, their ribs bulge out. In some versions of the legend, the oxen are actually skeletal. And the wagon is steered by La Muerte Quirina, which I tried to look up what it was. It just looks like the Grim Reaper, but dressed a little differently. More flashy or I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, like in like a religious shroud. Oh, okay. A Catholic shroud. The wagon travels horizontally. It cannot go through crossroads. If it stops in front of someone's house and calls their name, that person will die. If you happen to be out during these hours and encounter La Caretanagua, it will take you to the underworld. If a baby cries while La Caretanagua passes by, it will take the baby with it. Oh, come on. That's just messed up. I think it's a way to explain SIDS. Oh, uh... That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't find that anywhere, but there were comments. I made a TikTok about this like a while back and there was comments that mentioned this. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. That was not mentioned on the Internet. So I'm, I'm glad people leave comments when they're from these places because then, you know, you learn new things about these stories. Yeah, they have more insight because they're actually from there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they've heard the local versions and all that. Yeah. And I came across a story. It was on creepypastafandom.com. It was submitted by someone who uh, heard this story from their grandma. The person is MP Real Neck. I can't say their username. E M P Y R E A L L N V E C T I V E. I don't know how to pronounce it. MP Real Invective or something like that. Anyway, I'm going to read it as it was written because it's, it's really well written. I didn't want to paraphrase it and change it, you know. So here it goes. For, in the first section, they just explained that they were in Nicaragua because they joined the Peace Corps. And, and then they visited their family from there. But they didn't grow up there. They didn't grow up speaking Spanish or anything. 
because they're um and when they arrived to the the la quinta is where they were staying they didn't really speak to anyone because they didn't know spanish that well but but their family was from there yes uh so this person asked their grandmother rosalia to tell them the story of the Caretanagua. oh you know what no the the grandma just offered the story but then later when the person learned spanish better they asked her to retell it when they can un- actually understand it Oh, and the grandma told this person the story because of their tendency to walk around at night, <laughs> like to scare them into staying home. <laughs> okay, so it goes as follows. When my Nicaraguan grandmother was younger, she lived with her family. Like many families at the time, she had 10 brothers and sisters that lived in their small house. One day, over 70 years ago, her brother fell ill. She didn't tell me what sickness he had. But from the symptoms of fits and of shivering and extreme sweating, I made an educated guess that he contracted malaria. He was bedridden, and because they lived in a small community, there was no hospital nearby. He continued in that condition for a few weeks. Eventually, her parents decided that they needed to go to the hospital and get the medication for him. The only problem was that they would both have to go in and leave the children by themselves for a day. They decided that this was the best course of action and put my grandmother, Rosalia, in charge of the other children. They left the sick Chepito, little Chepe, under her care as well, because traveling to the hospital would be too much for him. They left that day and she set to taking care of her brothers and sisters, feeding them, keeping them in line and out of trouble, and sending the older boys up to the mountain to tend their crops of beans and rice. The day passed and night fell. Rosalia made sure all of her brothers and sisters were in bed and she had just blown out the candles and was getting ready for bed when she first heard the sounds of someone approaching a house in a cart. The cart's wheels groaned in protest as they traveled the dirt road. This groaning was joined by the rattling of chains that were dragging behind the cart. The cart came to a stop by the side of her house, and the driver of the cart went up to her front door and knocked. Oh my god. She opened the door and she saw a shadowy figure standing on her steps. Since she had already blown out the candles and it was the night of the new moon, she couldn't properly see the man. At first she thought it was her father, but then he spoke. Hay un chepito aquí? Oh my god. That's fucking terrifying, like... Oh, my God. I would have said no. (laughs) But then what? Okay, go on. She couldn't recognize the voice, but something about his tone set her on edge. She lied and told the stranger he was still up in the mountains working. The stranger was silent for a moment before he responded, Vamos a ver. We shall see. He left, and my grandmother closed the door. She listened to the cart right off with rattling chains and groaning wheels. She went back to their shared room and checked on her little brother. He was hot to the touch and sweating despite the fact he was in his underwear. She told me that he felt so hot to the touch that it felt like she was touching a stone that had been left in the sun. She was worried, but then she decided to get some sleep. She was drifting off to sleep when the sounds of chains and creaking wheels returned to her house. There was more knocking on the door. She got out of bed and answered the front door. The shadowy man was there again. A few feet away, she could make out the shape of two oxen that pulled his cart. They were extremely thin, 
and looked as if they were weak and sickly. The man spoke again. Fui a las montañas. Chepito no está ahí. Dime dónde está, chavala. I went to the mountains. Chepe was not there. Tell me where he is, girl. Something about the man chilled her blood. Once again, she lied to him and told him that he wasn't in the house. The man returned in a cold manner. Mentirosa. Dime la verdad o te voy a hacer daño. Él se está muriendo. Dámelo. Liar. Give me the truth or I will hurt you. He is dying. Give him to me. She knew that this man had ill intentions for her brother, so she said, He is sick and went to town. Go there. The man turned and hopped onto the cart. He whipped the oxen and they left. She tried to go back to bed, but could not sleep. An hour later, she heard him return. This time, the sound of groaning wheels and rattling chains tore through the night air. It was almost deafening. As she listened to the groaning wooden wheels, she wondered if her mind was playing tricks on her. The groaning wheels almost sounded like they were lamentations of men, and the rattling chains didn't sound like they were being dragged behind the cart, but were actually the sounds of people struggling against their bonds. She lit a candle and carried it to the front door. She opened the door before he could knock, and when the light hit him, she instantly regretted lighting a candle. Before her stood what remained of a man. His flesh had rotted away in places, and his lips had decayed long ago, leaving him with a sardonic, skeletal grin. His bones poked through what remained of his flesh. The candlelight illuminated his fiendish smile and the cart behind him. The oxen were not thin. They were made of bones. It was in this moment that she realized this was the Carretanagua, and it was here for her brother's soul. What was once a man spoke, his words sliced into her like a sickle. Tú me conoces, y yo sé que tu hermanito está aquí. Él se va a morir esta noche. Tráemelo, y tu familia no va a sufrir. You know me, and I know that your little brother is here. He is going to die tonight. Bring him to me, and your family will not suffer. Rosalia was paralyzed with fear, but managed to tell the skeletal man that he could not enter her house without her permission. He blew dead air from what remained in his lungs through his exposed jaw and spoke. Bien pues, very well. He stomped his right foot on the step and the sound of bone striking stone echoed through the village. After that, he left. Her brother didn't die that night. My grandmother finished the tale and went to bed. I decided to visit my neighbors and get a little more information about the myth of the Caratanagua. They told me it was a Nicaraguan myth and that it matched perfectly with my grandmother's depiction. They told me he visits houses of, of those dying to bear away the bodies. After hearing the story, the person goes to like the neighbors and asks, you know, what had happened. And they tell this person, oh, yeah, that story matches the legend. And she probably did see this uh, wagon. And then they, even though the brother didn't die that night, they mentioned that like, Horrible things then, like, happened to the family, and they connected to, because the Caretanagua wasn't able to take the brother that night. One of the neighbors said, it's a shame what happened to them, and he reveals that Chepe died five years later in the Contra Sandin Sandinista War. He, he caught a bullet in the stomach and spent his last hours in agony, waiting to die. Wow. And um, the rest of the family had tragic ends. Some died in accidents. 
Others heart attacks, others from drinking, others died by suicide. Almost every single one of her siblings were already dead or dying from cancer if they were still alive at the time. And the neighbors all believe this is a curse from La Caretanagua. Oh, so like if she wouldn't have had just handed the brother over, they wouldn't have suffered as much later. The rest of them would have been fine. Yeah. Wow. But he does, the Carta, the death did say like, or your fat, hand him to me and your family won't suffer. Yeah. But she didn't do it. So the person goes back to their uh, grandma's house and lays down for the night and then hears a cart rolling and gets, <gasps> they get super freaked out. But then they peek outside the window and it's like actually a person. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a person passing by. But they were like, I feel so silly. But like that story really got to me. And I thought that was super funny. <laughs> I, I would have I been scared too, but I don't even think I would have looked outside. <laughs> I wouldn't have either. I would have just like <laughs> pulled the bed sheets over myself. <laughs> yeah. So, in Nicaragua specifically, the legend of La Careta Nagua comes directly from the horrors of colonization. Uh, so, the Spanish would travel in carts or these wagons, and they would abduct indigenous people to force them to work in the mines. If people, um, if the indigenous people died while enslaved, they were put back in the same carts and then taken somewhere else to bury. So, people... You know, they saw the cart come, take indigenous people, and then they would see the same indigenous people dead. So it was like a signal of death. Yes. Yeah. It became a symbol of death. And people would tell each other, like, I heard the creak, or the, the creaking of the wheels, like a town over or something. And, and then it would spread and people would hide or run away when they heard that the Spanish were coming. Or um, a, a lot of people just uh, died by suicide to avoid enslavement by them. Um, but that is that is where the legend comes from, and I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if it. I I doubt this is just from Nicaragua, but that's that is the information I found about Nicaragua. Like, but I'm sure that that was a thing everywhere. That the yeah, Spanish if they were, were doing that in Nicaragua to indigenous people, I'm sure they were doing it to indigenous people all over Latin America, which is why these wagons, wagons yeah. are so alike. Yeah. Exactly. It's just weird that in other places, like, it just goes back to the time of cholera, but there's probably, it probably goes back to this. Too. Yeah, I feel like a lot of myths come from, like, horrible times, either, like, pandemics or, like, mass murder. Wars. Yeah. Yeah, colonization. Um, And then I have one more. So, this one, it was late at night, and I... Didn't want to paraphrase because, again, it's the actual legend that someone wrote down, not like bits of information of, of pieces that I put together. Gathered from, yeah. And, yeah. you know, reworded because plagiarizing is wrong. So this is like a retelling of the legend. I didn't change any words. And this I found on La Carreta Sin Boyes, Frightening Friday. Also, Frightening Friday is the website. Uh, and then it says slash blog La Carreta Sin Boyes. Okay, and so it goes as follows. The year was 1776 in San Antonio de Escazú, Costa Rica, San Jose. And its suburbs were not the maze of highways of today, but small rural villages where life centered around farming and religious activities. The villagers worked hard, tilling their land and growing crops. 
They gathered daily and sometimes more with their priest, Father Emmanuel, in their simple sanctuary to pray. They believed their saints protected them from the vast wilderness surrounding them, the dark magic of witches, and the ever-present temptations of the devil. I thought you were going to say something about the devil. You usually <laughs> no. <do. laughs> I have nothing. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually we... Wait, wait. Okay, never Father, mind. I was going to say, when you say Satan, I'll say Satanás. <laughs> but you said the devil. So I That's true. This yeah. time I said the devil, not Satan. <laughs> Father Emmanuel wanted to build a larger church since the population was growing and he wanted to accommodate his parishioners. One day, when people gathered to pray, he wanted a new pool. He shared his vision of a new church with an... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, remember that church in Modesto that had an actual pool in it? Yeah. Like, for the... Yeah, never. I'll never forget <laughs> that. That's when I stopped being Catholic. <laughs> that moment when you saw the pool. Yeah, because I didn't have a pool and I had to give a dollar of my allowance to them. No, thanks. Okay, so uh, he shared his vision with a new church of a new church with an altar, pews and statues, all made of beautifully polished wood from the guanacast and bitter cedar trees. One young man, Eduardo, who was known to be especially hardworking, was so taken by the priest's vision that he rose to his feet to urge the townspeople to cut the wood for the new church at first light. There was no time to waste since they were under a waning moon. The best time to cut trees because the sap would be closer to the roots than their branches. The women went to their homes to prepare extra tortillas and tamales for the hard work of the next day. As dawn broke, the men of the village went to what is now the National Museum, but back then it was a forest known for its strong trees. The village men, and especially Eduardo, worked hard all day, but as dusk fell, they knew they would need to come back for the wood the next day. They laid the trunks out in neat rows and headed home before the sun set. One man, however, did not help to fell the trees. Pedro el Malo, the bad guy, or the bad, I guess was his nickname. He lived just on the outskirts of the village in a big house that you could see from the town. He was unkempt with long, stringy hair and big, muscled arms, honed from whipping his oxen to work harder. He never came to pray with the rest of the villagers. In fact, he was said to practice magic and be in leagues with the devil. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. He worked his land alone and never shared his crops, even when food was scarce in the village. <laughs> this guy's evil. Scrooge much. <laughs> Hence, el malo. Right? The next morning, when the townspeople awoke, they could see the big house of Pedro el Malo had grown in size with more room. Uh, I'm jumping ahead here thinking that he stole their wood and somehow built a house overnight. <laughs> That's where my head went also. But obviously, if he did steal wood and built the house overnight, it was because of his evil magic. <laughs> right? Because how else? So let, let, let me go on before we assume. Because we don't know yet, right? They could see the big house of Pedro el Malo. It had grown in size with more rooms built on. Next to his larger home sat a brand new mill, stable, and a lavish new ox cart painted in a colorful pattern, the vain and proud Pedro el Malo. 
looked on as Eduardo frowned. The townspeople gasped in horror as they ran to the woods, hoping their timber was still there. Their hearts sank when they arrived at the forest and saw with their own eyes all their wood had been stolen. <laughs> Some men wanted to go after Pedro el Malo. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And he, he stole all of it and built rooms onto his house in one night. Damn. Works fast. Yeah. The, uh, the devil works fast, <laughs> so... But Pedro works faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some men wanted to go after Pedro el Malo, but they were also afraid of this powerful man and his pact with the devil. Father Emmanuel urged the townspeople to let God deal with el, pa- el Malo. Sorry, I keep I keep wanting to Malo? call him el Pedro oh. because I, see, I keep seeing el Malo after. <laughs> yeah, I almost said Palo just now. <laughs> Father Emmanuel urged the townspeople to let God deal with Pedro el Malo. They must wait for God's sign, for surely he will not abandon them. The crowd dispersed in anger, but a bit relieved, having avoiding, having avoided facing this frightening man. The following day, Father Emmanuel would bless all the ox carts in San Antonio. There were not many to bless, but all the town came out to see and celebrate together. The mood was solemn that year, as the townspeople thought of their stolen wood and the loss of their new church. Father Emmanuel blessed the ox carts in his sanctuary, and although simple, it was still sacred ground. The men and their carts lined up in front of the sanctuary and waited their turn. Eduardo led his ox and carefully crafted cart to wait with his fellow men. Just then, Pedro el Malo stormed into town with his brand new ox cart and barged to the front of the line, demanding Father Emmanuel bless his ox cart. The father refused and Pedro el Malo let out a loud laugh and yelled, I did not come here to bless my cart, you fool, because it's already been blessed by the, by the devil, <laughs> but I will enter the sanctuary. And with that, he whipped the oxen to move forward, but they would not budge. As he was possessed by the devil, whoa, that took a turn. (laughs) (laughs) It really did. Yeah. As he was possessed by the devil, Pedro Armando began whipping the oxen with such ferocity that surely he would rip their flesh from their bones, but the oxen would not budge. Father Emmanuel could take no more of this cruelty and called on God's help to rid the town of this evil man. This became an exorcism, apparently. This legend has it all. Yeah, it really does. By the power of the Almighty God, I curse you to roam in your cart for all eternity. And with that, the oxen suddenly broke free of the cart and sent it rolling down a hill, with Pedro el Malo chasing after it. The oxen were given shelter and their wounds wounds tended. They were brave souls that deserved to live the rest of their lives in peace for their stance. Wow. Pedro el Malo was never seen again. <laughs> right? I I like that these animals could different differentiate between good and evil. Satanás, the old mighty god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and they refuse to do the bidding of the devil. Like wow. that that's giving these oxen a lot of credit. <laughs> Pedro el Malo was never seen again, but on certain evenings, a cold wind would blow in the darkest of the night, and the creaking sound of a lone ox cart traveling without oxen escort could be heard off in the distance. 
the wheels rotating across the road. Traca, 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 traca would make even a devout man pull the covers over their heads and gesture the sign of the cross, for they knew the devil was passing by. Wow. The end. That was a ride. Um, that story really had it all. Magic, deals with the devil, I guess, stealing, possession, exorcism, curses, and ethical animals. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was a good one. I enjoyed that one. It was. Um, there's a similar shorter version in El Salvador like that, too. I remember hearing a short video. It was like seven minutes long on YouTube. That was like this evil man wanted to enter the church and and he. No, no, no. This evil man wanted a blessing, almost the same as the last oh, okay. part of that legend where he wanted a blessing from the priest and the priest wouldn't give it to him. And he's like, you know what? I don't need this blessing. I have a blessing. Because I've been blessed by the <laughs> devil. Then why did he go down there in the first place? Because he was el malo. He just did. There's no explanation. They just do bad things. He just did what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. For no reason at all. Except to show you the good and bad between God and the <laughs> <Yeah>. devil. <laughs> but but yeah. Those are all the stories I could find on deadly wagons across Latin America. I feel like this is the most different one compared to all of the rest. Yeah. Because the rest seem to come from something traumatic. And this one is, like, purely religious. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, thanks for joining me today, Carmen. I was going to say the last story was just a story a, a story about a bad bitch with a cool wagon that he got from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you could say that. That is, that is how you could sum it up. <laughs> but it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to join you. Yeah, um, it's always fun. I know you don't watch a lot of spooky things, but you can also any if you've been watching any true crime related things. Oh my do god! Do you have any spooky slash true crime recommendations? Well, I'm glad that you said that because I do have a true crime, and I feel like that's spooky in in and of itself because it's like reality. It is, you know what I mean. And yeah. there's nothing scarier than <laughs> than manipulative cult people you know and anyway yeah. with that said my recommendation is a podcast that you didn't tell me about uh-huh. and i had to discover all of my own oh i'm sorry i'm so sorry i thought i told you sometimes i tweet things and i think i tell you i don't have twitter christina you need to just send me everything you tweet <laughs> you need to just get twitter and get back on twitter after quitting twitter years ago oh no, i waste <laughs> i waste way too much time on things and i can't anyway um, so the podcast that I'm right. talking about is Twin Flames. It just, it was a wild ride. I finished it earlier today. So it's about, I mean, I don't know how much people generally know about Twin Flames. I heard a little bit about it from a, from somebody. I knew nothing about them. Somebody told me about like believing in Twin Flames and I was like, that sounds stupid. And then I never thought about it again. And then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw this um, podcast and I was like what's this and so then yeah I mean it's about this uh, YouTube couple that they start they create like a group and then grow I don't know basically a cult around uh, twin flames and this concept of twin flames and supposedly a twin flame is like somebody that is meant to be I don't know your person 
God ordained or some fucking shit. It's like a new take on soulmate. Yeah, yeah, but it's like beyond that. And first of all, I'm like, it's a new age take on soulmate. Yeah, that's the word I was thinking of. Like, I was going to say like alternative, but new age is perfect. And then, so yeah, it's like really good. It's interesting and it helps mm-hmm. you like learn about what, how people get into these groups. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that someone is dumb because they get into a cult. I think um, these kind of cults prey on vulnerable yeah. people. And so, yeah, it was just, it was a wild ride. Um, I recommend it. Uh, one of the episodes, they talk about being in, oh, holding um, their most recent um, like gathering or whatever, like a convention in Sedona, Arizona. And Sedona is like, like known for its mystic, quote unquote, is what I was doing. New age. Bullshit. <laughs> And I'm like, of course they could fucking hold their fake ass yeah. fucking conventions in this fucking wild ass place. It's a beautiful place, but <laughs> the crazy mystic new age. People, <laughs> well, I don't want to say crazy, but like the new age bullshit is real there. And so, yeah, I think to check that um, yeah podcast out. It's a it's a wild mm-hmm. listen. Um, yeah, I I finished it all like pretty fast <laughs> months ago. It's only six episodes. Yeah, it's short. Okay, my spooky recommendation is another Korean movie because I can't be stopped. So this one is called Zombie for Sale. It's a horror comedy. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I laughed. At some part, I cried because I thought some people that I got attached oh, wow. to died. But yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's a fun watch. And uh, so basically, there's like a zombie outbreak that happens but like this little rural village doesn't know that that's what's happening so then like a zombie gets to their house and they don't even know what the zombie is at first they're just like what's wrong with you are you drunk like to the zombie (laughs) it's fun it's a fun watch yeah it's funny that's my that's my recommendation but before we go since carmen you're here with me i do want to let people know if anyone wants to hear about like obscure obscure or history things you didn't learn about and um if you're interested in hearing stories about uh shady companies corporations doing you know shitty things and how they affect people in latin america then uh, you should check out our newest podcast the new the episode should be releasing in a couple weeks I don't remember what I had originally said. Did I say this this Thursday or next Thursday? Oh, I Thursday? don't remember what you said either. <laughs> oh, you know what? At the time this releases, it'll be next Thursday. So, yeah. Let me just pull up a calendar here. Yeah. So, um, May 6th. Nope, that's Friday. May 5th. Ooh, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> so, yeah. First episode will be out May 5th. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is called It Was Capitalism All Along. Carmen and I will each take turns telling you stories about, um, you know, corrupt uh, coffee companies changing, forever changing the ecosystem in El Salvador and, you know, causing the war and genocide and preparations being shitty to Latin America, causing, like you said, whole ass genocide and corrupting governments and whatnot typical corporation stuff you know yeah yeah Uh, ruining countries and ecosystems for more profits because 
what was the reason? It was capitalism all, all along. along, hence the name. So yeah, <laughs> if that sounds like something you'd like to listen to, then um, check out It Was Capitalism All Along, and I'm going to include that in the show notes, uh, the link to it. And like I said, new the first episode will be out on fri- or Friday, Thursday, May 5th. That'll be episode one. And yeah, thanks for listening. Next time you hear a wagon rolling through the streets of your house, just don't peek out the window. Sorry, my little baby's like moving the camera around. Oh my gosh. Oh, did you hear his I little did. giggle? Yeah, Sammy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, stay a spooky and we'll catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for our spooky supporting us on Patreon. Monica, Winston, Modesto, Cynthia, Perla, Jesenia, Kristen, Dalia, Mariela, Rene, Yamaris, Iris, Ghost Train, and Madtown Charity. A Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina. If you're looking for more ways to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash spookytales. You'll get access to bonus episodes, exclusive stickers and merch, and special thank yous. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash spookytales. And you can also buy some merch. Go to spookytales.com slash store and you can see new shirts, hats, and I'm always making new designs to add to the store. And the best way to support, of course, is to just listen to the episodes and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening. Stay as spooky.